Uh, open your Bibles to Acts 19. I, uh, that's a nice guitar. Oh, that's mine. Oh, yeah, okay. No wonder. No wonder. Actually, this is the Lord's. When I got this guitar years ago, I devoted it to the Lord and His use. And look what He's doing with it. Is that awesome? I was tempted many times to sell this guitar when I was poor. Oh, I still am, by the way. No. <laughs> but I didn't. I devoted it to God and His use. And He's using it for His glory. Amen? Amen. Acts 19. Uh, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Now, um, there's some theological issues about this text that people like to talk about, but that's not actually what I'm going to focus on primarily today. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in worship, and in a way, I guess you could, you could consider this sermon an introduction to that, because I'm not even sure we'll get to that topic. Um, but I want to ask three questions about this text. Um, and the first question is this. What makes Christianity different from other world religions? What really makes Christianity different? Is it our doctrine? Yes. Because what the Bible teaches is different than what the Quran teaches, or what you find in the Bhagavad Gita, or in some of the other sacred texts of the world. There is There are different teachings in the Bible, so the the... Doctrinal content of our faith sets Christianity apart from other world religions. Is it our ritual? Well, yes and no. Um, a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but some world religions actually have baptism. We have baptism. They don't have the Lord's Supper, though. But they do have festive meals or sacred meals, so there's a similarity there. Uh, is it our worldview? Yes, that sets us apart. Because if you truly understand biblical doctrine, it changes the way you think about everything. I mean everything. And everything means the world. So your view of the world is altered, and so you have a different worldview. So thus you have a different value system, right? However, the, the key practical difference is this. Biblical Christianity or what I really should say is what Jesus Christ really offers people is not only forgiveness, not only the hope of heaven, but what Jesus Christ offers people is a new heart. A new heart. Not just a new doctrine, not just a new religion or ritual, not just a new worldview. Jesus offers people a new heart. Can you imagine that? A new heart. Now, I remember when I received my new heart. Because my old heart was so bad. 
It was so heavy. And I didn't even realize how heavy my old heart was until I got rid of it. And then when I got my new heart, I felt so light. I just walk around. I was light. I was floating on clouds, man. I didn't even know all those years the heaviness that I had been carrying in my old, unregenerate, wicked heart. And then Jesus came into my life, and Jesus did not give me religion. Jesus gave me a new heart. This is the most profound reality that we have to tell the world. Unfortunately, when the world looks at us, they don't understand we're offering them a new heart. They think we're offering them a new religion. Some people think we're offering them a new morality, right? Be better. Shape up. Get your act together. Then God will love you. Now, if you're a Bible Christian, that that shouldn't be the message, but sometimes that's the message people hear. Of course, the devil doesn't want them to know the real message, right? But what the the scripture tells us is that Jesus Christ came to this earth to give people a radically different heart. And this new heart was a heart that knew, or should I say, a heart that knows God. My old pastor years ago used to talk about being being a non-Christian was kind of like your heart's like a radio. Now this is the old days. And you talk about turning the dial on radio. You don't even turn dials on radios anymore, right? You hit buttons, right? They say your heart's like a radio that's out of tune. There's a frequency coming from God, and there's actually a signal coming out of you. But they don't line up because it's out of tune. And then when you get born of God's Spirit, you get tuned in, if you will. So we have world religions where people are trying to turn that dial. They're hitting the buttons. They're trying to get their Wi-Fi to work. Right? They're trying to connect with the divine in some fashion. But the signal they're sending out is all wrong because their hearts are dead hearts. They're unregenerate hearts. They They don't have the life of God in them. So they're not able to commune with God. So, the thing that makes real biblical Christianity different is that there is a living reality of the Holy Spirit inwardly that changes those who trust in Jesus Christ. Christianity is is primarily something that happens on the inside and then it works its way out. Now, I've had some conversations with people recently that have been a little bit disturbing because uh, Christians... I hear Christians talk in such a way that they don't really understand the gospel. Now, they say they're Christians, but when you more you talk to them, no, they understand Jesus, Jesus was born of a virgin, Jesus died on a cross for sins, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose from dead. They get all that, and they know you're supposed to believe in Jesus, and if you believe in Jesus, you're saved, or you're going to heaven. They get all that. But the, when you really get to talk about their life, and how they live, and what they really think about God, and you, you find out they don't understand grace. Now, can you truly be a Christian and not understand grace? I'll let you decide that. But I know this. The Bible says this. For by grace you are saved. Through faith. 
And so if we believe in God and believe in Jesus, but we don't believe in grace, are we really believing the gospel? I'll let you decide that. But I know this, that the, the, what God offers us in the gospel, in addition to heaven, in addition to forgiveness, in addition to uh, these many blessings that we have, he, he offers us fundamentally a radical change in our nature, which the Bible calls a new heart, or Jesus calls being born again. You all know John, you all know John 3, but I want to look at it again quickly. <clears throat> Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a teacher. He was educated in scripture in Jewish theology. And he comes to Jesus. And he says to Jesus in verse 2 of John 3, he says, Teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus said to him, "Um, I'm not sure he really meant that, by the way. Because later when you you, you see... Jesus does does miracles, and then some of the Pharisees say, well, he's doing it by the power of the devil. So the miracles... Now, Nicodemus might have believed that, but when he says we, he certainly wasn't speaking for all the Pharisees. Because some of them discounted his miracles and said it was by an evil power, not a good power, right? So Jesus says, truly I say to you that unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered, most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can this be? He did not understand. And look at Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? He's he's really saying, what he's really saying is, what I'm talking about is revealed in the Old Testament. And we won't take the time this morning, but if you go back and you look at Ezekiel and you look at Jeremiah, there is a promise of the new covenant in which God will give his people a new heart. A new heart. Matter of fact, uh, go to Hebrews real quick, chapter 8, where it's talking about the new covenant versus the old. And he says here, in Hebrews 8, verse 8, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand, to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and they disregarded them, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to make another covenant like that because they could, they didn't keep that covenant. So if I make another one like that, people won't keep that one either. That's not going to work. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts. This is simply another way of describing what we call the new birth. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ and your faith is genuine, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. And when He comes into your heart, you're born of God's Spirit, He writes His law, He writes His word, He writes His will, He writes His love, He writes 
all of these things in your inner man. He does a work in your soul. And he changes your soul. Your old heart is thrown out and you get a new heart. Your hard heart becomes a soft heart. Your your ignorant heart becomes an enlightened heart. And it's an inward work of the Holy Spirit. Second question. First question was, what makes Christianity different from other world religions? Second question. What is the difference between a nominal Christian and a real Christian? Now, the word nominal comes from the Latin, as Dr. Bond could tell you. And it means name. Right? Name. So, when we talk about nominal, we mean something that is named. So, the difference, what is the difference between a nominal, a name Christian... And a real Christian. Well, the text here in, in Acts 19 tells us because these people believed in the baptism of John and they believed in Messiah as far as they understood Messiah from the teaching of John, but they were Christians in name only. Why? Because they did not have the Holy Spirit abiding in them. And remember what Jesus said. If you're not born anew, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus did not say, you listening? Say yes. Jesus didn't say, if, if, uh, unless you're born again, you cannot enter church. He didn't say, unless you're born again, you cannot take communion. Unless you're born again, you cannot be baptized. Unless you're born, born again, you can't preach. Unless you're born again, you can't lead worship. There are unregenerate preachers filling pulpits all around America today. There are unregenerate choirs, worship teams. And there's unregenerate people listening to those unregenerate preachers and their unregenerate sermons. Happens every Sunday. Because we have the nominal, in name only, Christian, and then we have a genuine, born-again Christian. Look at Romans 8 for a moment. Now, all this is preparatory. This is an introduction. We're not even getting to my sermon today. Romans 8. I've pointed this out numerous times, but I'm going to do it again. You read the book of Romans. In the first seven chapters, the Holy Spirit is mentioned one time. You read chapter 8, he's mentioned 19 times. Hmm, Maybe we should pay attention. Maybe he's trying to tell us something about how to live the Christian life. Hey, hey, what do you think? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yay, we love that verse. All right, here we go. Do some more. Let's do some more. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, he says that right after chapter 7, in which you see this person struggling. What I want to do, I can't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Oh, the body of death, back and forth. He's struggling. He's, he's defeated. He's, he's exasperated. He's, he's, he's at the point of desperation. And so what's the answer? Another conference. What's the answer to the defeated Christian? 
The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The spirit of life is what set him free from sin and death. And it is the same spirit of life, which is the Holy Spirit, which will set you free from sin and death. And nothing less will do it. Did you hear that part? Nothing less will do it. Now, I'm not an anti-intellectual. I think you should read books on sanctification and books on inner transformation. And maybe you, sh- you should, you know, in some cases you should get counseling. And all of that's very helpful and all of that has its role. But I can assure you of this, that the Holy Spirit is not in all that. It is all for naught. Because you are not saved by knowledge. You are saved by power. You are saved by life. And go back to the garden. Listen, we, we are still eating the apple. Well, it wasn't an apple. Might have been a date. Might have been a mango. What's your favorite fruit? That's what it was. Okay. We're, we're doing, we're still doing the same thing. Because what really happened in the garden? What, what was the trade-off for the fruit? What was the enticement? Yeah, it looked good. Mm, I bet that really tastes good. But what was the, what was the demonic promise of the, of, of taking the fruit? The demonic promise of the fruit was knowledge. Knowledge. What was God offering in exchange for knowledge? Uh, Life. Life. They traded Eternal life for temporal knowledge. And we can still do it, and we still do it in the church. And we prize knowledge. We say to men, you can't be in the ministry until you get an ABC and an XYZ and a PhD and an MDiv and a THD and, a, and, a, and all those numbers after your name, and then you can preach. And there's a lot of unregenerate PhDs. Paul said when his gospel came to the Corinthians... When it came to Thessalonians, it didn't come in word only, it came in power. What was that power? That was the power of the Holy Spirit. Changing lives. Convicting men and women of sin. Bringing them to repentance. Drawing them to Jesus. Showing them the glory of Jesus. Luring them. Wooing them by the beauty of the cross. As the Holy Spirit enlightened their eyes and removed the veil. You know, this... If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a real Christian, you didn't figure this thing out. I know you, you might think you did. And you might think, well, gee, those, my, my unregenerate neighbors are really stupid. Cause they just don't get, don't get what I get. If you understand the gospel, thank the Holy Spirit. Because the gospel is hid from you. Like it's hid from them. And, and then when the Holy Spirit removes that veil, you can see. When He gives you a new heart, your old animosity toward God goes away. And He gives you a love for God. Love for Jesus. Love for the Word. He really gives you a new heart. Okay, we need to read more in Romans.
Verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, okay, now this is the critical verse here, okay, but you... You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Let me read this again. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. The, the, there are no, now there are nominal Christians, meaning they're Christian in name. But they're not His, because they do not have the Holy Spirit. There are not two kinds of Christians, the non-regenerate and the regenerate. There are only one kind, and that's the regenerate. I told you the story about my friend's mom, after he got born again, was talk, he heard her talking on the phone, you know, my kids are Christian, but one of them's a born-again Christian. No, you have born-again Christians, and then you have everybody else. Now, yes, you have professing Christians and nominal Christians, but they are not His. They might profess to be His. They are not His. They may try to live for Him. What does it say? They are not His. 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says this. Verse 13. I want you to turn there with me. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit here. It says in verse 11, but, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, meaning all these different gifts and ministries, distributing to each one individually as He wills, the Spirit wills. For as the body is one, verse 12, and as many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. There's only one true church. Although there are many different members, many different ministries, many different ways the the, the body, uh, the Spirit works through the body. Verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. If you're in the body, you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you're in the body. If you do not have the Spirit, you're not in the body. Is this clear? Now, some of you are thinking, gee, Pastor, I learned this like 35 years ago. Indeed you did, and I'm glad. But, um, I would like to say that everyone listening to my voice today as the Holy Spirit. But I'm not sure I can say that with any confidence. Now, I don't know your heart. I am not going to make that judgment. But I think right now, the Spirit's convicting you right now. 
Now, maybe you have the Holy Spirit and you're not walking in the Spirit. Well, maybe he's convicting you of that. But I think we have a problem in our in, in, in many churches, and this, this explains this phenomenon we see. If you, Robert, you warm? Okay. I'm really warm. Is it me? It's me? It's me. Right. I need to get one of my T.D. Jakes napkins here. Just kidding. Just it. Okay. Um, Holy Spirit, you know. So, yeah, okay, so you read, you read about, you know, you read about millennials, you read about, especially the ones coming out of Christian homes, coming out of the church, and you see this thing, I mean, every report is bad about walking away from the faith. Well, there is no way, there's no way that 85% of those people who walk away, there's no way the majority of them are born again. I just, I, I refuse to believe that. Now, I believe they've been Christianized, like milk is homogenized, you know. They got a little injection of Christianity. Their parents drug them to church or threw them into Sunday school. They were told the basic Bible stories, and they kind of know a little bit. But then when they get exposed to you know the world, and they get exposed to the, the, the professors who are hostile to the faith, they're not standing on anything, and it's not just because they don't have knowledge. They don't have life. They don't have a new heart. Right. So they now that they're free, they follow the course of their own heart. Now, I'm not saying Christians can't backslide. Some of those, some of those people may be genuine Christians and they backslide for a while and then they come back to the faith. Some of you could give testimony to that was your story. You were raised in a Christian home, you backslid later, you came back to the Lord. I get that. But not 85%. So, you know, um, you know, I was talking to, uh, with this Ebola thing, I was talking to, uh, my, my son who's, talks about this kind of stuff. Um, about about viruses, okay, and and what a virus is, and and he's trying to explain to me that a virus virus isn't really alive. I was like, I just like that's like saying God always existed. I'm like, I can't get my mind to go. How can this thing do all this and it's not alive? It's like, what is this? So anyway, suppose he's not alive. Anyway, <clears throat> so. There's different ways you treat bacterial infections versus viral infections, right? Any mom knows that because you're dragging your kids to the med first place all the time. So they have to use a vaccine. And you know what a vaccine is? We used to call it an inoculation. They actually give you the disease, right? But just a little bit. And so what that little bit does is that your body then reacts to that because you got a little bit, but it tells your body, warning, warning, fight this not a live thing in your body. Okay? And so your body builds up its immune system and it identifies this non-alive thing that's attacking you even though it's not alive. And your body fights it. So you have an immunity now. So later if you get it again, if you get that virus or maybe even a little more of that virus, your body's, you're prepared. 
It's kind of like Steve Inman in his basement. He's got, you know, he's prepared. That's all I'm going to say. We won't put this sermon on the internet. Okay. The NSA might hear it and we're in trouble. Okay. So, and this is what happens to a lot of Christian kids. They get a little bit of the gospel or a little bit of Christianity. They've been inoculated. So then later, when they hear the real gospel, when they're presented with the real gospel of a brand new heart, a real gospel that, that God, the Holy Spirit, will come and dwell in you, that it's really about grace and not works and being good and rule-keeping, they're like, oh, I believe in Jesus. And so they become inoculated to the gospel because they got a little bit of it. But they never truly embraced the real gospel because they never truly embraced Jesus and never truly received His Holy Spirit. It's sad, but it's true. And so, those are often the hardest people to win to Christ. It's like saying, come into the kingdom, like, I'm already in. I'm already in the kingdom. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you don't have the real entrance card. And the entrance card is not the sinner's prayer. It's not raising your hand. I've led people to Christ to raise their hand. They really get saved. It's not walking the aisle. Some of you got saved walking the aisle. But that's not the interest card. The interest card is, are you born again by God's Spirit? Jesus said it, not me. Don't get mad at me. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born from above. And that new birth is the Holy Spirit coming to make His home in your heart. Now, if you want to be a nominal Christian, you have fun with that. Because I can tell you, it's miserable. It, it's, it's, uh, I mean, the reality is, it, Jesus said there's only two ways, you know. There's, there's not third ways and four ways. There's two ways. There's His way, which He says is narrow. It's hard. It can be hard. And then there's the broad way, which is easy. There's only two ways. And, you know, if you try to walk on two roads, and if they're close together, you can do it for a while. Right? So we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna illustrate. So I'm walking on two roads. Two little paths here, and they're entered together. So I can walk on both of them at the same time. Problem is they start to divert. Okay? The paths are getting wider and wider. Guess what's gonna happen to me in a minute? It's not gonna be pretty. You're going to have to call the ambulance. Because I can't do a split. Right? That's what happens. It's painful. Thank you. I appreciate it. But that's what happens to a lot of Christian kids. When they're little, they can do this. Then they get to high school. No, we'll start earlier. Then they get to preteen, tweens. Then they get to high school. Then they go to college. So the thing is, 
Look, 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 I'm giving you good advice. Even if you're not a Christian, I'm going to give you some good advice. You ready? You'll be a lot happier in this life to just take that path and not try to do both of them. In this life. You don't want to walk around your whole life doing splits, right? Did I tell you what happened the other day? i got to share this story. I know I'm going too long. It actually illustrates the gospel. It illustrates how... I've been saved a long time. I mean, you know, when I got saved, I think we still had rotary phones. I mean, that's a long time ago. You know, B.C., before cassettes. You know, a long time ago. Okay, so... All right, so... Well, I won't tell that joke. You'll get mad at me. Okay, so... I'm, 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 I, I got up, I had to do some radio interviews, did that in the morning, I went to a pastor's luncheon, heard a great testimony, um, good food, fellowship with some pastors, great time, good day, having a good day. You ever have a good day? It's a good day. Things are going my way, I have a good day. And I had to run some errands, so I went to, had to go to Home Depot, and I did a little shopping there, then I had to go to Target, and did a little shopping there. Had a good day. And as I was walking through either Home Depot or Target, I was, I was realizing I was having a good day. And, and, and a thought, a thought was lurking behind that. Like, something like, God's blessing me. Isn't that insidious? You're like, you don't understand that? Now imagine if my day was, I got up, I felt like doo-doo. I had to go do the interviews anyway. They went terrible. I mean, I've done some terrible interviews. I had this one guy. He got on, and it became clear after about two minutes he wasn't really saved. This is a Christian radio station. And he starts using profanity. This is when I did live radio. And this is why we changed from doing live radio to recording. Because he decided to just tell us all what he really thought. Um... It was fun. Anyway, so imagine it was one of those days. Then I go to Home Depot. They didn't have anything I find. I go, I'm having a bad day. You know, but God love me any less. In fact, sometimes when I when I'm most in, uh, I'm most pressed, if you will. God's demonstrating His love maybe even more because He's sanctifying me. But it's that insidious thing, you know, where we associate some kind of temporal prosperity with God's love. You know what I'm saying? Are you hearing me? That's not the gospel of grace. That's not what that is. So, so here's the, here's the kicker to the story. You want to hear, you want to hear the end of the story? So I have a wonderful day. Just a wonderful day. And then later that night, I changed my clothes took my pants off, and I realized all the way down my rear end was ripped open. And it had probably been ripped open all day long when I was walking through Target, Home Depot, and I'm thinking I'm blessed, and I'm being a fool. I mean ripped all the way. And I thought the girls were looking because I was handsome. That's not. 
So here I am thinking I'm blessed and I'm, and I'm like, God's humbling me in public and I don't even know it. Yeah, it happens. Okay, so you won't remember anything about the sermon, but that's sorry, I'm sure. So uh, here's the third question. We're going to wrap it up. And as I said, this is really all preparatory because it's kind of pointless to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in worship if you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and um, now you want the AC on, don't you? Because now you're... Huh? The third question is very simple. Is do you have the Holy Spirit? It's really simple. And, and, I, and I've said this before too, you know. Um, sometimes I wish I was raised in a Christian home because of all the yuck, yuck, yuck I've had to work through after I got saved. But there's a downside to it also, and I've already referred to it. It's the assumption of things that aren't true. Or it's the feeling that you can't really be honest with where you're at spiritually. And I think a lot of Christian kids, and I feel sympathetic for you, I understand. I think I understand. And so, you know, well, I'm probably not saved, but I'm not going to accept Jesus, especially in public, because then my parents will find out I wasn't saved. You know, that kind of thing. Um... You know, Jesus said, if you're going to follow him, you have to deny your mother and father. Then he said to mother and fathers, you have to deny your son and daughter. What that means is, the most cherished and powerful emotions and affections of the human heart, which are family, must be sacrificed if you're going to come to Jesus. You cannot let any other loyalty, and he uses family because that's the strongest loyalty. I mean, I know people, they don't get along with their siblings, haven't got along with their siblings for 20 years, but if you say something bad about their sibling, they're going to defend them. What is that? It's blood, man. It's blood. Right? You defend your blood. Jesus' blood is stronger. And our ultimate loyalty has got to be to that blood, not to a human blood. And John said, let's read it, we're gonna, we're gonna close with this. Go to John chapter one. And if you have a Bible, I want you to look at it. It's important. Then we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. In a few minutes, I'm gonna ask you to receive Christ. Okay? Here's what John said. John said this. Start in verse 6. We'll read. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John the Baptist. The writer is John the Apostle. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light. John The Baptist is not the light, but he was sent to be witness to the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Or 
The true light, which coming into the world, gives light to every man. He was in the world. The, 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 now we know this is Jesus, right? It's talking about Jesus. So I'll just put his name there. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, meaning his own people, Israel, and his own did not receive him. So he comes to his own creation, not accepted. Comes to his own covenant people, not accepted. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right or authority or power to become the children of God. Well, how do we, how do we become? We receive him, or as he says, to those who believe in his name. Receiving him and believing are here synonymous. And if they truly receive him or believe in his name, and his name means God saves, means God saves you, you don't save yourself, God saves you, he's the savior, you're the savee. They are born then, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they are born of God. They're born of God. Well, John doesn't get into the Holy Spirit here, but we know from John 3, he later explains how that, how that birthing happens. It's through the Holy Spirit. So, do you have the Holy Spirit? Which is another way of saying, have you truly received Him, Christ? Have you truly believed in Him? He wants to give you a new heart. He doesn't want to give you a new religion. He doesn't want to give you just a new set of behaviors. He wants to give you a new heart. And then when you get a new heart, guess what? Your life will change. Because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Man works from the outside in. God works from the inside out. Don't you want a new heart? Now, maybe you're a Christian and say, I got a new heart. Well, that heart's supposed to be the home of the Holy Spirit. He wants you filled with His Spirit. He wants you walking in His Spirit. That's what He wants for all of us. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, I thank You that as we sang earlier, as we read in Psalm 89, your, your steadfast love, your hesed love, your loyal love, your covenant love, your compassionate love. Lord, you don't want any of us walking around with an old, heavy heart. You want to give us all new hearts. You, you want to give us of the fullness of your spirit. Because you love us. And you love to give good things to your children. I thank you, Lord, that um, the gospel is so simple. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God.